I'm still curious. That's the most important thing. Mm. I think that's um, the, uh, the the elemental mm. uh, 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 starting point for any films, for any documentary films at least, and also for poetry. That's to be curious, to want to know, mm. to to examine uh, the world, to find out what's happening. And I still have this curiosity. Mm -hmm. I'm 80 years old, but I'm still very curious. I still want to examine and find out, and also to invent new ways of telling, new ways of looking at things. But I'm still continuing this work. It's, a, it's an eternal uh, way of working. It's an eternal quest, and in the way of looking, is also contains something about the content of what you're looking at, in the way that you see, you form work in a way that is always unique to every subject. And this is what we're going to be looking Thank you, at. A compliment. Well, I think it's very true, and it, I think this is what we're going to be looking at um, today in Jorgen's work. Because I think what I wanted to focus on is what we can learn from you as fellow filmmakers or people who are interested in film, in terms of how structure can remain a fresh thing. Because yeah. so often for film, it becomes a trope. Mm. Even um, for people who have made uh, masterpieces, they mm. can often try and imitate the masterpiece that they have made. But I don't yeah. think you've done that. I think you've always tried no. to do. I always try to you. yes. I always try to find new language, mm. new ways of seeing things, mm. and that's an absolute uh, condition for me to work. To, that I have to. I, c I cannot do a film if I'm not finding a new way of telling certain things. And if I'm not inspired by what I'm seeing, mm. I, ne I never do films on, on command. I always do films that I think I want to explore. Mm. That's <laughs> the way I'm working. And that's why I always find new structures to work with. Always, mm -hmm. from the beginning. <coughs> and going back to the beginning, the, the poem that you read, which was um, The Perfect Human, yeah. did that come before the film? Yes, that came before the film, mm. and uh, and uh, the film uh, The Perfect Human is from '67, mm. and uh, my first two films are '62 and '64. Mm. Uh, but uh, the poem came. No, the poem is much later than the film. Much later than the film. Much later. Mm. No, the film was uh, an innovative way of looking at things, and it it was for me a discovery. I mean, nobody had told me. Uh, anything about that way of looking at things, but I was inspired by anthropology. Mm. I've always been in, interested in anthropology. I studied anthropology for a time. Mm. I was very inspired by Mal Malinowski, mm. Polislaw Malinowski, the famous mm. Polish-Austrian anthropologist, uh, and the way he was looking at daily rituals and mm. uh, pulling them apart and seeing what's happened when he put it in a, another order. Mm. I liked that way of, of of being in the world. Mm. 
and uh, it's under this inspiration that I did A Perfect Human, uh, which uh, was also inspired by, you know, in 67, everything was m very political, more politically correct than today, and that says a lot. That says a lot, no? I'm, I'm not really attracted to political correctness, but in that era it was totally foreign. So when I came to say I, I'm inspired by Andy Warhol, anthropology, and fashion photography, that was totally unheard of, you know. And this was what I was. I was inspired by fashion photography by the great photographers uh, Irving Penn uh, and those guys who, who filmed their models in an empty space and had them express something in new clothes. I like that very much, that whole concept. And that led to a fiction uh, based on, I mean, A Perfect Human is a fiction story in a way. Not in a storytelling way, but, but it's, it's innovative and it's, it's uh, something that doesn't exist except in, this, uh, in the room where we were shooting. So that was the inspiration, you know, an empty room, people looking very good in new, fantastic clothes and doing extraordinary, silly things, you know, uh, but all transparent. So that was the whole idea of the perfect human. I'd like to ask you about framing. Yes. Because you, you use framing in a way that is really, you can see a Jorgen-led frame. Yes, yes. thank there's you a, very there's much. There's a signature in it, and that, there's yeah. a sense also of a, um, there's a philosophy contained in how you Yeah, first of all, I, yeah. First of all, I, um, you hold it. First of all, there's um, the consciousness of uh, the camera in front of you. So the people look in the camera, they are facing the camera, and that happens in many of my films. I, I, don't, uh, I don't like uh, the fictive idea that people are doing something that they're not supposed to be uh, filmed. Uh, I like they do things to the camera, so it's like, uh, it's like uh, I'm using the, the normal, trivial, a system of uh, or television news to, to in, a, in a fictive way, in a, in a way, in an innovative way. That's what I think I do. So I like that they look at the camera and that the people seeing the film look at them as objects within a frame. So the frame is a very important uh, measure for, for having people doing things that, that I recognize as uh, as rituals which are alive and which are defining the human beings. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't think I can come it closer, but, but you know, I'm very conscious about the framing mm -hmm. in all my films, as, you, as you've seen. Also in the, the more documentary films, I like to frame precisely, and I have been blessed with cameramen, uh, directors of cinema who understand that and who mm -hmm. goes for the same thing. That goes up to my most recent films, that the framing, also the America films, mm -hmm. the same kind of framing. Mm -hmm. Framing, uh, choosing to stay with the, the object in a certain way and stay with it and not leave it. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a very important part of my filming, that I like time to pass through the, through the, through the lens of the camera. I like times to time to pass. Mm -hmm. That's a very important thing because I see uh, that everybody does the opposite. They, they flee from the, from the picture they have chosen, they just flee to something else. I don't, I stay with it. With it, with it. That was the update of a discussion between Lars von Trier and me mm -hmm. on, this, on when we shot uh, Five Obstructions. Mm -hmm. 
uh, he uh, he wanted to uh, put um, obstruction to the fact that I choose to stay with a with a with a story in the frame a long time, and I, I had to deal with that. But I can do that. <laughs> it's fascinating to see it um, before, of course, we think of five obstructions and to, to, tr to try to remember also the context in which this film was made, where um, so there's a certain sort of, um, you know, the way that you use a, a, a rather banal image of people eating, but it becomes quite significant and becomes much more than that and it, it's it's so interesting to see that within something that's quite abstract there's still something quite visceral and quite yes. essential within that yes and um, when you look at it now i'm interested in there are certain things that the camera's doing which seem incredibly irreverent which i love like zooming in suddenly yeah. and, yeah. and movements like that and um, could you tell us a bit about your reasons for for doing those kind of camera movements and your perspective yes. on it then? Yes, I like to show that the camera is just a language. Mm. I mean, uh, I, I like to, to, to take away the notion that <laughs> this is real. Now, now we're close, now we're long. It's not real, it's something you choose. Mm. So that's why I sometimes in my films, like in The Perfect Human, in 67, I already point out, now we're zooming in, now we're zooming out. And that's also what I'm doing with uh, Las Monturias. I like to do, uh, I like to show my instruments, my, my language, my grammar, my, uh, yeah, that's what I, I like to show it. I like to bring it in play because it's just a grammar. It's just a way to work. And I want people to understand that. Can you see that? It's a, it's a, it's maybe a provocation, but that's what, how I like to work. I like to show my own rules of game all the time. Mm -hmm. I play with rules of game always, mm -hmm. as we discuss in the five instructions. We, that's what I do all the time, and, and Lars mm -hmm. is interested in, in exactly that. But I also want to show which rules of game I've chosen mm -hmm. and why I play it. Mm -hmm. what, what, what made you choose rules as such a defining structure for your work, at such, obviously at such an early stage? I don't know. I think you have to survive some way or another. You have to find a way to, to get on with the work. Mm. And <coughs> for me, it was obvious to choose some limitations. Mm. That was a very early um, understanding <coughs> for me. And I think I don't want to explain everything as normal or rational, mm. because I don't think it is in art. Nothing is normal, and, and at least not for me. I'm taking it out of my heart or my head or whatever, but I think that the, the fact of, of choosing rules is just a way of surviving. You know, I, I really think so. It sounds dramatic and pathetic maybe, but, but that's how I feel, mm. that you have to make some rules to survive mm. uh, in life and in art. Mm -hmm. And that's the same thing mm. for me. I think some of the, although you had, um, I imagine, had you storyboarded it in advance as a film? No. No. So you just discussed with the, the cinematographer how you would how would you, you would go about filming it, but the actor still added more. And I wondered if you could talk specifically about what he added and what that yes. was about. You mean the actor? Yeah. Yeah, wonderful. He was the right actor for me, and I used him several times in the following years. 
with the long uh, stretches between. I, I used them in uh, Good and Evil in uh, 74, and I used them in, in Notes on Love in uh, 89. So I've been very, uh, um, I've been very uh, grateful to him, and he was always delivering. What he was delivering, that's very strange. It's very, uh, it's very unique. It's not something I could know in advance. He's, uh, he's improvising closely much. He, um, I give him the very simple things to do. Eat, shave. I mean, normal, everyday, trivial, like the title of this book, trivial, everyday things. That's what I ask him to do. But, I, but he, he do that, and he do it with a sensitivity that is surprising already, I think. And then he sometimes adds a new layer, which I have not discussed with him in advance. I've not asked him to, to sing this song at all. I was surprised. Really? Yes, I didn't know he was singing this, uh, and I didn't know the song. I researched it later. Well, that's the song. It's an old Danish song. So I let it stay in because I like chance. I like to work with chance. That's another element that I, I work with frames, as you said, and we discussed. And then I work a lot with chance, like things that are given to you during the... And I, I, I think that's a fulfillment of the work, the, the way I'm working. I put up frames, I invite people in, I invite the audience in, and then suddenly something happens that is not planned at all. I like that. It's gone much further in uh, Good and Evil and in Notes on Love. Totally crazy things he's finding to do. Mm. Like in, uh, in Good and Evil, I asked him to, <coughs> to wash his hands. And I give him a, a tray of uh, water and uh, soap, and I say to him, you must announce what you're doing. That's what I do in that film. That's what I do in this film, too. And I say what you're doing. I'm, uh, and I say to him, the words are flowing. I, I'm washing my hands in, uh, uh, with soap, in water with soap. Uh, that's the line. It's simple, and it's, uh, it's what he's doing. So it cannot be simpler. And I like simpleness. And then he's doing that, and he's doing it in an elegant way. He's dividing the words, but he's not adding anything there except the, the feeling of, of time. He's, uh, he's wa the water dripping from his hands, holding it out of the words. And then, in the end, he's singing a crazy German uh, song, like if he's in a bath in a bathroom. And I have not asked him to do that. And I can see on the, it's always first takes with him, always first takes, one take, and then it's it. It's yeah. And then I can see on the on the first take of this scene that the camera is shaking. And that's because my cameraman, my director of photography, he's, he's laughing so much <laughs> when he sees this. So it's yeah, it's a proof that it's totally improvised. But the lines, sorry, the lines, if I remember, uh, add a certain uh, why is joy so whimsical? Why is fortune so capricious? Why is love so quickly done? Yes. Adds a certain ache to the film, a certain melancholy. Um, yes. Um, without without those lines, you wouldn't have had. Um, would there have been any lines in the film? There would have been the lines at the end. Would, what, the, the lines of the, there would have been the lines at the end, but you would have missed that certain tinge of melancholy. Yes, yes, that's true. Yeah. Um, um, that's a, but again, there's a gift coming into the film, and I agree with the melancholy. I'm, I'm also a melancholic poet, you know. I mean, this is a gift that he, 
somehow has chosen to do because he knows more than I do in that situation. It's wonderful, I think. It's just simply, a, uh, I don't use the word God, but it's a gift from above, you know. I, I, I didn't expect it. And it, as you said, it's melancholic and it fits to my uh, mood and my uh, way of working. And in the, the emptiness of this uh, studio where we shot these things, you, 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 you agree? Absolutely. It's an empty room. There's only the things that they do. And then suddenly he's saying something that has a melancholic uh, tone. It's wonderful. It's, it's like I want it. Yes, it makes the whole film like a yeah. Like it has a much a much richer and deeper texture. I and think so. And, and more complex. And yeah. More like a um, yeah, more like a a beautiful poem that you don't quite get to the bottom of. Yes, there's curiosity, but there's also this other. Exactly, and I like the mixture of uh, of melan melancholy and humor. Mm -hmm. I like that mixture particularly much. Yeah. I think that's wonderful. That he's saying these things and you can't help laughing at the same time and feeling sorry in a way but also laughing on his his effort, his his genius. I, I like it very much. Well, I've had other all kinds of other clips um, lined up, but of course we knew we would break our own um, our own rules and our own hope of showing ten clips. And I think I'm going to jump to, to the last one, which is five obstructions, because mm. I think if we didn't cover five obstructions there'd be a bit of an outcry. So, um, yes, yet again it was hard to limit the, the length of this clip, so I think we'll play um, the particularly perverse game that John Trier challenged you with, hmm. which um, was the second of yeah, the obstructions, yeah. which was when, if you remember those of you who have seen the film, um, Lars von Trier had been at the Danish um, Film Institute and had worked there for a while when um, Jorgen Leth's film The Perfect Human was being distributed to many festivals and was being copied. So he saw it many, many times and he would sit and see it many times. I don't know yeah, how many that's times. Yeah, that's true, that's true. Many, well, he, he talks about 20 and all the time he talks about 40 times. So it was definitely an yeah. important film for him and Jorgen yeah. Leth as a maker was also an important maker. So of course he challenged his maker to um, a duel to see if he could um, remake his film five different times. But there was a reason underneath it and that reason was he wanted to break you, didn't he? Yeah, he wanted to break you. He was, uh, he's very kind and he's, um, he claims that he's a student of mine and he it's inspired by my ideas, etc., and the rules of game, etc., and all that. But in the f in when we when we were shooting, he definitely wanted to break me, to bring me out of out of balance, and uh, and to uh, and first of all to to do something very bad. I mean to to fail. That's what he wanted. You cannot uh, dispute that because uh, that's what you see. That's what I see also, and that's what I was up against. You know. But at the same time, it was a friendly game, and we are very on very good terms today. We uh, we talk often, and uh, and, um, and he loves me in a way. He says at least, and I accept that. <laughs> I love him too. Yes, it was a film made with the love of a, of a son with a bit of an oedipal complex or something, some kind of complex that we definitely, definitely. Yeah. But um, he, he wanted to put your ethics to the test in this particular bit that we're looking at, which is um, a, a difficult um, reconstruction of the perfect human on the streets of 
Okay. 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 Yeah. So maybe you could tell us a bit more, Jorgen, just because it is five obstructions that we're going yeah. to see. Is that, that so, happened? Yeah, so uh, um, Lars von Trier wanted to make a, a film with me. And he suggested that at a dinner we had. He said, uh, we should do a film together. And I have an idea of what. Uh, but I'll tell you later, he said. <laughs> so we left the dinner, and uh, but, uh, so we agreed we should do a film together. I was, of course, flattered by that because uh, I admire his work and I know his importance internationally. So I thought, well, a film with Lars von Trier would be uh, an interesting thing to present in uh, film festivals, etc. Uh, and then uh, later he said, yeah, now I know what, what to do. We should you should do uh, The Perfect Human, which is a film I admire and have seen a big number of times. Uh, I think you should find, uh, do it again and we should talk about it every time. You should do it five times, five versions of The Perfect Human. And between each one we talk about how it should, which conditions you should do it on. Or conditions are already there. And I knew that he was evil. I knew he could be. Everybody told him, be, be careful. He will, uh, he will lure you into something that you don't even can guess what it is. You know. that's, that's for sure. He, that's exactly what he did. I was prepared for that. I thought, well, I'll do that and I'll win that duel. That's, what <laughs> that's my point of departure. Do you think he won? Yes, I think so. I think he won. <laughs> <laughs>